going to start right now then. Uh, oh, I didn't get your last name. I'm so sorry. Sarah Pinsky. Sarah Pinsky. Okay. Uh, so I am... Uh, okay. I'll just cut this little part out. <laughs> um, uh, welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. Uh, I'm sitting here with, uh, with Jackie Sarapinski, uh, who is not technically the artistic director of West Side Players, but in a role that sort of uh, lives within that realm. Um, Jackie, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. All right, perfect. For the listener who is not familiar with you, can you give a history of yourself in the theater performance realm <laughs> that led you to filling the role in West Side Players that you do now? Um, I started performing when I was uh, maybe four at okay. church. Yeah. Uh, I did, I did plays at grade school, in junior high and high school. I did quite a bit of theater, and then at the university, I became a theater major because it meant that everything was relevant. Mm. If you study psychology, psychology is relevant. If you study theater, psychology is relevant. Art is relevant. Music is relevant. History is relevant. If you are interested in everything, and I always kind of was, <laughs> um, theater is a great place to be. And my mother would tell you that I was always a performer. <laughs> she can be whoever she needs to be, whenever she needs to be. So um, I did a, a bachelor's degree and a master's degree at Idaho State and stayed on to teach there for 15 years. At the time, it was a combined department, speech and drama, and then became communication and theater, but it was the same department. And I filled lots of roles there. I was the business manager of the theater for a while. Um, I worked in the costume shop. I did costume design, I did acting, I did directing. And then in the early 1990s or late 1980s, I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder and did a PhD there in nice. history, literature, and criticism of theater. I love that university so much. Yeah, yeah, it's a good school. It's a really good school. And it was an extraordinary experience that I would not trade for anything. But my last year there, the chair asked me if I would fill in as the director of publicity and public relations while they looked for a permanent replacement for their former director of, of those things. And, and I worked at the Colorado Shakespeare Festival yes. for three seasons while I was there. Um, so in, in professional terms or educational terms, that's, that's my background, mm -hmm. you know. Um, personal terms, the first play I remember seeing was The Merchant of Venice. My, my grandma took me to the preview in Ashland when I was eight, oh. maybe, and it was raining. So they did the first act in their rehearsal clothes, in their street clothes. And when they came back after intermission, it had stopped raining, so they put on their costumes. And I was eight. I was so frustrated because I couldn't tell who anybody was because they were wearing different <laughs> clothes. But, but um, so I've been an avid theater goer all my life. And, oh, three years ago maybe, something like that at the Utah Festival, I finally finished my canon. So I've seen all of all 37 of Shakespeare's plays on stage at least once, nice. some of them multiple times. Um, so I suspect that's the answer to the question, why am I filling this role? Yeah. By education and avocation, it's congenial. Yeah, excellent. Uh, so I like to start out 
my first question of the podcast is always the same for all of my guests, and it's a big, ambiguous question. Uh, so brace yourself. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, cool. And uh, feel free okay. to answer it in any way, shape, or form okay. that you choose. Uh, the question is simply, what is your artistic direction? <laughs> <laughs> Circular. No. Uh, spiral. No. Um, hmm. I think... I, I believe genuinely that art and theater make people more human and more humane. And working in this kind of organization, which genuinely covers a fairly limited range of possibilities in the theatrical universe, I my artistic direction isn't broad, it isn't revolutionary, it isn't... Um, it is, I think, a community service mm. at the university. I list my activities here as community service because I think Westside Players and the things we do here make the community a better place. So if I, I'm not certain that's the sort of answer to the no. question you were looking that's for, fine. but um, or if that's even an answer to the question, <laughs> but I think that's why I do it and mostly what I do yeah. is is keep trying to see a way to make the community a better place yeah. and to contribute through what we do here. So how does West Side Players contribute to to the community in ways that other theater entities in Pocatello don't? Well, we provide <laughs> a really fun evening out. Yeah. Three quarters of the shows we do every year. We do four shows a year. Three of those four shows are, I think, I can say with confidence, a really good time. <laughs> sometimes it's because they're really funny, sometimes they're breathless farces, sometimes they're taught thrillers, but they're a fun evening out. We do a fourth show that's designed to be more satisfying artistically to the people who work in the theater. So those are a little edgy, a little more challenging, more complex roles, more intellectually satisfying scripts. Okay. Um, we're doing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, not solely because, but partly because the actors adore the play. Yeah have wanted to do it forever and ever. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of years ago said, and I said, okay, we if you'll commit, we'll do it. But I'm not gonna go into it trying to find that many people and people who can do that language, learn those lines, yeah. who aren't really solid. And I personally think this is an aside, I suppose, but that Tom Stoppard is the best playwright currently living. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it's it's funny because this is a very young man's play. It's 50 years old this year. And everything about it, everything about it says, I'm a play written by a very clever, very articulate, very thoughtful, very young man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a young man's play. And I'm an old lady, so that's, you know, that's a little weird. <laughs> but... Um, but he's, his mature plays are extraordinary. So I find it really satisfying 
to work, you know, to, to work on this particular show. I can't remember what my answer to, oh, how does, what do we do for the community? Um, we have, the Palace Playhouse does mostly musicals, and those are fun. They don't work in our space. We have a really flat ceiling. The sound bounce is god-awful. You could do a musical here, but the stage is small and the acoustics are rotten, so why would you do that? Yeah. Um, we, OTOS, the, the downtown theater, old town after studio, seats 30 people. They do the shows that are challenging, that are adult, that upset people, that, you know, and I'm, I made it sound bad. It's not bad. Of course it's yeah. not. Theater can and should do all those things. But if you have an audience of 30, yeah. then people, you know, so people don't, people come here to see things that are palatable with their apple crisp. You know, they can they can have dinner and they, and we don't require that. I mean, you don't have to have dinner. You can yeah. get a ticket just for the show, but people come here for a, for a lovely evening out, and we provide that. And theater, because of its immediacy, because it's not electronically mediated, creates a sense of community that I don't think you get from television or radio or streaming or movies or whatever. And I think that that, both the communal nature of the enterprise itself, of doing it in the first place, but also of watching it, mm -hmm. is a service we provide for the community. Yeah. And of course, like all nonprofits, every dollar that circles or circulates through our organization multiplies itself many times. Yeah. We have a caterer who's in business you, know, you don't make a lot of money catering our shows, but it's great public relations. Mm -hmm. And similarly, uh, the bar, you don't make a lot of money pouring drinks at Westside Players, but you, and so the people who work for the Sand Trap and the people who work for Club Charlie's are paid. They're paid employees. We pay a custodian. We pay, um, I'm not sure whether we're paying an accountant right now. I think maybe, yeah, we do. We pay an auditor, I think, but... Um, so, and, and we, of course, buy lots of stuff <laughs> for, for sets and costumes. And yeah. we, we, we use our charge card at Home Depot a lot. And so economically, the organization has a positive impact on the community as well. Yeah. Um, one of the struggles with theater, and you kind of mentioned it, was this new, like, how do you get people, instead of staying home, watching Netflix... How do you get that general audience out? How do you get the butts in those seats <laughs> in your theater? I don't know, because okay. I don't know that those are the butts that are in our seats. That's interesting. And, and to be honest with you, we have never done a, an exit poll to say how many of you spend more than 30 hours a week watching or consuming electronic media. Um, so I, don't, I really don't know the answer to that question. We certainly have young people working on the shows and in the shows and coming to see the shows. I suspect that the average age of our audience hasn't changed a lot <laughs> since I started with the organization. And I have to say that our first generation of patrons are mostly gone. Yeah. You know, the, the people who were supporting the theater and donating to the theater we did a fundraiser to take out one of the support pillars for the roof and yeah. put in a beam because you used to have to, if you were sitting 
in most of the house, yeah. dodge yeah. back and forth. And yeah. directing, directing is a real challenge when you're going, oh, whoops, you're behind the post. Um, you know, yeah. and somebody was always behind the So um, those people are gone. They've passed on. Yeah, that's wild. Because Westside Players has been here for 31 years, correct? We haven't been in this building for 31 years, but we've existed for 31 years. When did you uh, get this building? Um, Well, again, we moved into the building. Westside originally rented half of the building um, from Steve Rhodes. I think they came in about 1991. So uh, five years or so, first few years, they were performing in the dining rooms of motels around the area, yeah. and it was it was portable theater kind of, and so um, they and I think the name West Side came from the fact that Rhodes owned two buildings, one on the east side of Second Street, one on the west side of Second Street. The space we rented for the theater was on the west side of Second Street, so it was West Side Players, (laughs) (laughs) which, because we're not on the west side of Pocatello, we're on the east side of Pocatello, it doesn't make any sense, (laughs) but I think that's why. Um, So we moved into the building in 1991, that's when they started putting the public restrooms, well there were public restrooms, but did some remodeling and built the stage, you know, raised the stage floor and so on, and it's changed and changed and changed. Um, the dressing room is at least twice the size that it originally was. All kinds of spaces, the actor's bathroom, you used to have somebody ha- run ahead of you down the south side of the building and peek out and make sure that nobody was looking and then sneak you into the handicapped restroom. Yes, and, yeah. you know, and we don't have to do that any longer, we have our own. So it's evolved over the years, but yeah, I think that's right. I think um, 91-ish was when they moved into this building. Yeah, and then you have like I can't even begin to describe how massive this building is. It's literally a warehouse. It is literally a warehouse. Um, I'm curious how do you how do you keep everything because you have costumes, sets, like props of all types. Um, How do you keep everything under control and organized? (laughs) (laughs) You, you. The answer is we don't. Yeah, Uh, there's the answer. There's the answer. Um, you know, it, genuinely, there are four people on the properties committee, and once a year we do the, okay, let's think about this and see what we can move around. And we ha- we have right now, you know, personnel always changes in an in a vol- all volunteer organization, and this is an all volunteer organization. Um, we do now pay for custodial services. For years the board did that and then everybody went, please, don't make me clean another toilet. <laughs> and so by the time I joined the organization in 95, um, they, we were, custodial work was done by somebody who comes in and does the custodial work and, and that's really nice. But once a year we do a clean out and clean up and we put everything back where it belongs. And, but you know, people are really generous with us. And, and also for the last few years we've had an extraordinary volunteer who's the guy who has been building our sets. He's been our stage carpenter. He's making the boxes. He holds a PhD in theater from the Ohio State University. So this is an odd thing for him to be doing. Yeah. but. 
he's at the moment making his living as a, as a sort of self-employed handyman. So he's got a lot of time, especially in the winter. So he's honestly reconfigured all kinds of things in the basement. And one of the things that he did was take out all kinds of spaces down there. And because this was a warehouse, we had literally yards of two foot deep wooden shelves lining all the walls. Well, we don't need two foot deep wooden shelves lining all the walls. So he took them apart, redid a bunch of them to one foot deep so they were useful storage. And so Roger's been remodeling the, those kinds of storage things. Um, the paint used to be downstairs, but you couldn't see it. So he built these one foot deep shelves up here so that we can see what the paint is and see what colors the paint is. And so, so the building gets more useful. Our new historian pulled all of the history stuff out of the office, out of the business office earlier this year and moved it into that space, into a space between the office and the lobby. So she'd have a space to work in and keep the history of the organization. So it, it's like everything else, it evolves, but it takes, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Because for instance, if Old Town Actor Studio comes in and they, they did this this year for a production they did, they borrowed appliances, cupboards, furniture, all kinds of stuff. Well, when they brought it back, despite our injunction, put it back where you found it, they didn't necessarily put it back where they found it. They borrowed a door unit and a window unit and... You know, so it's, yeah. it's tricky. We have to just stay on it all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's a lot of work. Yeah. But it's fun. So with the expansion of the building, I'm sure you've seen a lot of change since 1995 of the vision of West Side Players. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe not. The vision is kind of a weird word to put on that. But yeah, because, again, that's sort of we want to change the world or make it new. Yeah. Or, and I don't, don't think we see ourselves as being in exactly that business, you know? Yeah. We just make it nicer. <laughs> yeah, that's... Which is kind of a change in a way, but... Uh, I guess that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. By golly. Yeah. Um, We're perking things up. I guess... Uh, I, how have you seen West Side Players evolve from when you... Like the theater entity itself? Okay, so well, I think that I can say without fear of question that our... That the quality of the productions is better than it was when the organization first began. Excellent. And I think partly that happens because people are determined that it will, but I think it also happens because as the theater has continued, people with. We've been able to attract people with more experience, skill, and education. And we're lucky because we're here in a community where there's a university and there's a university theater. And so we have always been able to take advantage of people graduate and they're trying to figure out what to do. And we get them for a couple, three years before they go on to something mm -hmm. else, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and people retire. And one of, one of the guys on our board has been doing theater for years, but he retired from... He was a comptroller for the city, retired a few years ago, and now he's got lots of time to spend here. So I think that that's a little different. Yeah. Initially, the organization was a few friends who wanted to do plays and thought they could make some money doing it. Then they discovered it wasn't going to pay, but they could still keep doing it. But again, I think what's happened is that we've become, in a sense, far more professional. Yeah. 
and certainly more what um, and this has to do also with the state and how they do things and the requirements for being 501c3 and two of the founding members of the company work their keisters off to get the 501c3 designation in I think the early 90s that's not necessarily easy to do yeah. and so that that was a significant change I think adding the summer show in some ways was a significant change I think the 24-hour theater was a, a useful change the 24-hour theater is playwrights come in we and we need we have a rule you can only write two years in a row oh. so it's not the same playwrights every year because that gets less than interesting this was our sixth year and they come in they draw the name of their director they draw the name a number of and the names of their actors they draw a genre and they draw a prompt that the audience has submitted in the for during the past show so we have the spring show everybody who comes to the show is asked to submit oh, cool. a suggestion of some kind and they draw those they write overnight they have to be finished at seven o'clock in the morning at eight o'clock the directors and the actors take the scripts well first there's a big breakfast <laughs> Aunt Vicky makes big breakfast and then <laughs> and then the company starts rehearsing those shows well, this year we had 21 actors. Mm. Most of them, no, gee, I don't want to be, probably 15 of them were under 20 okay. or under 25. Wow. So we, and uh, I might be exaggerating a little bit. I, it's, yeah. I'm old, it's hard to tell. <laughs> um, but, but that's one of the ways that, that new people come into the organization. And none of the people trying to think I don't think there was anyone who directed one of those 24-hour theater shows who's been a director on our regular season so that particular thing serves as a kind of of breeding ground if that's the right yeah. word so I think that that's changed too when I first joined the organization the first time I directed a show the president told me that I had to cast one of the members of the board I can't imagine our saying that to a director now. Yeah, you know. Um, first of all, we don't need to any longer, <laughs> if that makes it sense. Does make sense yeah. um, we don't ask people to direct or allow people to direct unless we're relatively, unless we know something about their work. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody. I don't think we've had anyone in the past fifteen years come in and direct a show who'd never directed a show before or whose work we'd never seen before. And that's the other thing. When people come in and have a really good experience, then they're more likely to come back in a different role. So that right now, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, and the player are all, well, okay. <laughs> Among them, they hold seven university degrees they're all directors yeah. you know so that, that I think that that's part of why that happens and how that happens so I think that artistically the organization is much stronger in terms of getting stuff done that's still really tricky 
finding enough people to come in and paint the sets, finding people who want to do the front of house. It's not that much fun to sit there and take people's money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, still, that's still a chore. I do think the more theater there is, the more people care that we have a community of barely 50,000 people and we have the University Theater, Westside Players, OTOS, and the Palace Playhouse. Four community theaters is quite a lot for a town of this size, or three community theaters in a university. But I think people learn that they like theater and that's fun and then they want to go and then they want to go some more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how that happens. So I think we can lay claim to that too. I think we've made theater going um, a more common, a more usual thing in Pocatello than it used to be. That's really good. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming you have a rotating cast of people come cast, I guess, or like set of volunteers and actors that come through, and there there's some that hold, but sure, sure, sure. If you look around these walls, yeah. for instance, you can see people who were working on Sylvia or Rumors who were in shows this year. Yeah. You know, and those were 15 plus years ago. Um, but on the other hand, in this show, I'm trying to think, we have one, I'm trying to think how many people are in the current show. Yeah, there are only a couple who've never worked on a show here. Okay. That's partly the summer show. Yeah. Um, in Rumors, we had two people who'd never been in a show or connected with Westside in any way. In the, the first show, the winter show, um, I guess there were only two people who were involved who'd never been involved before, but that's how it works, you know, yeah. and, and people graduate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they go on to other lives and other yeah. things, and and sometimes um, Chris Ellis, who I'm looking at the wall where they signed for black comedy, Chris was in black comedy, he's a professional actor, works out of Chicago, has, a, 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 or had, and I Regrettably, I'm not much of a TV watcher, so I'm not sure that I can say. But um, Chicago Fire had a okay. recurring role on Chicago Fire. Um, on the other hand, I there are people whose names are on the wall who stopped doing theater twenty years ago. Yeah, you know. Yep. So it's it's that some people remain with it their lives long, and some people don't, and. I think of the people who are currently teaching theater in the high schools in Pocatello, I think there's only one who's worked at Westside Players. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but, so, I, it's a rotating cast. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'm curious about is, as a theater entity, I will use that term, um, I think that there's a you, you have you have a specific direction that the theater is going in, even, even, if, it, even if it's just like Hopefully come have a good not time. not downhill. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm curious as people come into the theater. I think everyone has their own intents and intentions, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. and their individual, I'll say in podcast air quotes, artistic directions. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious uh, as to how do you as a theater uh, both 
honor the direction the theater wants to go Mm -hmm. and honor the direction and the intents of every individual person coming in because sometimes those intents don't align. That's correct. Yeah. Um, I think it's a negotiation and it's always a negotiation and you give some and you get some. Yeah. And we, I know every year when we start to put together a season, there are shows that one or more people will say, I really don't like the script. Somebody else will say, I really don't think we can do this or we should do this. Um, When when I suggested Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, (laughs) there were a couple of people on the scheduling committee who said, we can't do it, it's too big. It's too big for a summer show, it's not our kind of play, and we shouldn't be doing it. And I said, but I really, really (laughs) want to. I might have pouted and whined a little bit. I don't, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, and similarly, we're one of the shows under consideration for next year is A.R. Gurney's Fourth Wall. Okay. I think it's time has passed. I don't find the predicament of the characters interesting. I'm not sure that that our audience, that many people in our audience are going to get the Clinton jokes anyway, and I don't see any way to rewrite those jokes. So if I were solely in charge, I don't think we'd do that show. Yeah. That doesn't match my artistic direction. Yeah. The man who wants to direct it, who suggested it to the board, no. There are a couple people on the committee who really like the play, really want to do the play. We'll probably put it on the season. I won't go, wow, I'm excited about doing that show, but that's okay. I'll work yep. on it. You know, that's... Yep. I, and so I think that that's really the answer to the question in an organization like this it's always a negotiation. Sometimes people get petty, sometimes there are <laughs> power struggles, sometimes there are tantrums. Yeah. You know, we did a last, for our 30th anniversary season, we chose four shows that we had already done before that audiences particularly liked, that we thought worthy of redoing and so we did a season of shows we'd already done oh, cool. yeah. uh, for the 30th anniversary. Personally, I think that was great. I don't think we should do it again. Yeah, yeah. And, and this year, in fact, one of the shows that we did do was Rumors, which we'd already done. And I think the world, there are too many good plays to redo. You know, yeah. We don't want to get into the Shakespeare Festival thing and do the Golden 12, you know, do the same shows yeah. over and over because those are the ones the audience likes. Not to imply or suggest that we shouldn't please our audience. We should, mm-hmm. but I just think it's more fun to do new stuff. Yeah. You know? Not everybody agrees with me. And so I'm positive that in the next few years there'll be shows that we'll be redoing that we'd done before and I'll be going, oh geez, really? Yeah. And they'll be going, yeah, Jackie, we really like this play. We're going to do it. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the answer. I think you negotiate and occasionally you have people who are really, truly out to lunch. You know, there are people in the organization and there have been people on the scheduling committee whose idea of a good season is things they want to direct or be in. And that's where their vision start, stops. If there's not a role in it for them or it's not a show they want to direct, they don't think it should be on the season. I see. And that's wrong. Yeah. How do you how do you go about dealing with that sort of sensibility without dismantling? <laughs> you know, the I trust? think I think the the saving grace in all of this is because it's always a group decision, and the entire board. You don't have fifteen people trying to decide the seasons. Yeah. That would be madness. But the five or six people on the scheduling committee, 
There have only been a few times when anyone's personal power or magnetism or persuasiveness or whininess or whatever it's been has been able to push the scheduling committee into saying, oh yeah, we'll do that show. Okay. Even though it was a crummy show, the worst show we ever did here, worst show that I've ever seen here, the one show about which I was literally walking up to people that I knew had seen it and said, I'm really sorry. Oh no. Because it was so bad. And it was on the season because one of a, a, a woman who was currently on the committee and involved with the group and a fine actor said, I really want to do this show. It's got this great role. We put it on the season and then she said, oh, I, I can't do it. I'm not available. I, things have happened in my life and I can't be in the play. And it's a, it was a terrible play. What, what, what play was it? I'm curious. Jewel Thieves is the title. Okay. It's on the wall behind yeah, I've never you. I've heard of it. Good reason for that. <laughs> Bad play. And it's it's one of those, it's a personality play. It's yeah, a vanity I play. I That's why it was written, presumably. And if you had her, if she had starred in it, it probably would have been okay. Because she's really good. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't, she didn't. The director, who was not strong, cast a woman, for reasons I won't bore you with, who ought not to have been cast in the role. I see. And if you have a play that centers around one character and the actress playing it can't be heard or understood, it's a bad play. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's like that's like yeah. square one okay, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah. So, so I, that's the answer. You negotiate. Yeah, okay. okay. And you make the best decision you can without sacrificing. There are some things I'll, you know, it's the, is this the hill you'll die on? There are some things that I would certainly go to the mat for. Mm-hmm. One of them is that we don't choose things from the Pioneer Play catalog. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one of my principles. <laughs> I don't have a lot of principles, but that's, that's one of my principles. Of yeah. Yeah. So. Um, is there? So we're a little bit past the half hour. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about in terms of theater, uh, artistic direction, direction, the West Side players specifically, uh, that you want to talk about? Well, you know, the one thing that I think it's important to say is that in an organization like this that's all volunteer, there are people who have given thousands of hours to this organization that the people who come to see the plays wouldn't recognize if they ran into them on the street because they're never on stage. They don't direct. Their name's not in the program except as a member of the board of directors. But they make get possible for us to do this. Somebody's got to take the reservations Mm -hmm. and somebody's got to do the program copy and somebody's got to do the bookkeeping and somebody... There's a lot of boring things (laughs) that go with... And there are a lot of... What? (laughs) Regulations about 501c3 organizations Mm -hmm. and somebody's got to make sure all that stuff happens. That's not the fun stuff. And happily people are willing to do the not fun stuff so that we can have the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing I think it's important for people to understand. Again, because nobody's getting paid to do that stuff. Yeah. One of the things that one of the people on a previous interview said that has really stuck with me is that um, you shouldn't get into artistic direction if you want to perform. If you want, yeah. You know, that's probably true, because yeah. then we're back to the people who say, if I can't direct it or be in it, I don't want the show to be on yeah. the season. And while uh, I certainly perform sometimes, although less frequently as I get older, because 
sadly there aren't that many little old ladies in plays. Yeah. Um, it's in this organization. Again, not everybody. We we had a president for. I think Tommy was president for ten years or fifteen years or some crazy thing. He did two plays and hated it. <laughs> you know. Now his wife is on stage a lot. She's probably the busiest actor in Pocatello. But um, yeah, I think that might be true. If you if if you really are an, the artistic director, then you shouldn't want to perform. Yeah. Although the current co-artistic directors of the Utah Shakespearean Festival are both actors and yeah. both really good actors. Brian Vaughn and and uh, David Ivers are both really fine actors. Yeah. And I think that works, but it might work because there are two of them. Yeah, that's and there's there's so much underneath that is yes. not performing. Yes, yeah. yes. The uh, structure of that organization is so large, and they have a managing director. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another thing that I want to talk about really quick before we end this is that uh, there's this idea that's been sort of placed in my head that um, if you're on a board or if you're like one of the managing people or the artistic director of a theater. Um, you're creating sort of an ecology, so to speak. So mm -hmm. you're creating this like... Sure, it's like a biosphere. Yeah, this biosphere, yeah. exactly. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, what are ways that you can take preemptive measures to ensure that the biosphere is, uh, <laughs> is positive? It, there's like positivity, so people want to come back. Okay, so I think one of the rules, it's not supposed to hurt. If you think theater is a holy calling and it's like being a monk or a nun and you have to suffer, or if you believe that there's no creativity without suffering, somebody needs to kick your butt. <laughs> so I think that's the first rule yeah. of theater. It's not supposed to hurt. Okay. And the second thing is drama belongs on stage and no place else. Yeah. I, I, if whenever we have someone get associated with the organization and start working on shows and they're really truly a drama queen, and they say, well, I'd like to be on the board. My feeling is always, oh, please, God, no. Because those, those people who really need drama, who need conflict, yeah. who want, who don't feel loved unless somebody's screaming, are poisonous yeah. in an organization like yeah. this. So um, drama belongs on stage nowhere else. It's not supposed to hurt. Grown-ups show up. If you commit, you fulfill the commitment. Yeah. Because again, if you have that, if you have people who understand that, then the organization is great. And if you cultivate that, we have a woman who's stage managing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern who's never worked in theater before. She just loves the play. She loves the play. She's a high school counselor. And she said to one of her friends who's in the cast and on the board, well, is this like uh, Jewish standard time? I can be 15 minutes late. And he said, no, I'm on time and I wasn't the first person here. Yeah. And that's the other thing. You know, you, you go into it knowing that it's hard work. Yeah. It's great fun, but it's hard work. Yeah. So if you can remember those things, and that's not very many things, you know, four or five simple <laughs> things, yeah. you're in pretty good shape. If people commit... If they're willing not, if they're willing to leave the drama on stage, um, if they understand that they need to be there and they need to be there on time, and if they know that this is supposed to be a happy experience, 
then I think you're good. And, you know, it doesn't always work, but over the course of the 20 plus years that I've been involved in the organization, it's worked most of the yeah. time. More often than not. <laughs> yep, absolutely, more often than not. Um, well, Jackie, thank you so much for oh, sitting down with me. You're this welcome. Was, this it was, was really fun. Amazing, yeah, it was great. Yeah, cool. Um, if people are trying to find either you or Westside Players online, do you have any plugs to plug Well, Westside Players. <laughs> Watch me not be able to say the name of the website. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think it's westsideplayers.org, but I know that the Facebook has to be Westside Players Pocatello. Okay. And we are not a .org, not a .com. So I think it's just westsideplayers.org, but we have a website, we have a Facebook page. And because I teach in public, I teach at the university, I don't have a Facebook page because yeah. I don't want to deal with 200,000 zillion, I've probably had 4,000 students, I don't want to deal with friend requests from all of them. Yeah, that's so probably good for you. I just don't do Facebook. So I'm, I'm the worst person to ask about that stuff, but yes, we have a presence online and um, you can get tickets at the website. We use t Ticketmaster, so you can, or ticks. I don't know. <laughs> See? It's one of those. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> but but if you if you go to our website, you can get tickets there, pay for them, choose your seats, right. all that stuff. And if you are not comfortable with that, you can call us and we'll do it for you and um, yeah, over the phone. So there you go. We're nice guys. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I like to end my podcast with this. Uh, can you give me one recommendation of anything at all? A book, a movie, a thing to eat, uh, music, anything. <laughs> yeah, come see the show in <laughs> July. Uh, that's not what you were looking for. Yeah. Um, there, there is a book written several years ago, The Art of Course Acting, and it's okay. C-O-A-R-S-E, as in the British. It's, it's, it's a tongue-in-cheek what not to do manual for producing theater. It's absolutely hilarious and it sort of reads like the direction manual for Noises Off. Okay. It, it's it absolutely, if you've never seen or you've never read The Art of Course Acting, and it's probably 30 years old, the book, and it's a little dated, but it's hilariously funny. And anybody who's involved in community theater really ought to read it because it, it's the you know y y yep you know all those people and you've done all those things and you've seen people do all those things and so my recommendation would be the art of course acting excellent Jackie, again, thank you so much. You're for very welcome. It was really fun. Um, you can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. And listener, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. And that's how I end every single one of my.